Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Welcome to the Decoding Society. This is your host, D'Angelo Starnes. Today is Sunday, uh, June the 10th, 2018. And I apologize. It seems that we uh, are having a bit of a technical difficulty. uh, So that's the reason for the delay. Um, But sorry about that. Uh, Welcoming uh, to the show is our co-host, Chris Cathcart. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, D'Angelo? How's everybody doing? All right, man. So uh, been a minute, uh, but uh, we're back and we're ready to tackle some current events. Um, in the uh, tagline for today's show, I uh, it's invitations to the White House are tradition for champions of the respective <laughs> sports as, as an honor, right? And and I'm going to ask the question, is it time to abandon such a tradition? And uh, But I do kind of want to open up, and uh, I did get your text, Chris, uh, about uh, uh, health issues and suicide because, uh, you know, we obviously uh, uh, saw two uh, two suicides this week of prominent uh, celebrities. I, I, I'll let you uh, lie, lead in on that, and then uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. Well, I mean, um, with Kate Spade and uh, Anthony Bourdain, who are, you know, she's a famous designer, um, and he obviously is a famous chef and television host. I think a lot of people stopped and paused because our our idea of um, people who, quote, unquote, made it and have it easy, the idea that they'd have problems where they want to take their life is kind of jarring. But it just made me think that, in particular, in the African-American community and other communities of color, we don't discuss issues of mental health or suicide nearly enough. It's unfortunate that it takes events like this for us to even, not just in the black community, but all communities, but specific to our community, to pause and have a conversation. I mean, I've talked more about suicide with friends and colleagues over the last few days than I ever have, just in terms of the concept and, you know, the thoughts people may have had in their own lives. And I just think that um, that systemically in our community, dealing with mental health issues is just not something we do well. We don't deal with taking care of our health, period as a people. And there are probably historic reasons for that. But when it comes to mental health issues, um, I don't think we, we, I think we still think we can, you know, pray it away or ignore it away. And I think that we have to be honest. I mean, my good friend Terry Williams wrote a book called Black Pain about suicide and particularly mental issues and depression in the black community. And I think either that book or other books is something that we should, you know, spend more time discussing and talking about. I know we do it more on college campuses now. That's a good thing. But off that setting, uh, we need to have discussions when we don't have high-profile suicides happening, you know, in the general public. So I, I know neither, neither neither one of us are experts, so we can't, you know, this, this, this would require some degree of expertise probably that we don't possess, but we are men in our community. We can damn sure have a conversation. No, absolutely. Um, I think you brought up a good point about uh, – you made one reference about you know pray it away and and that but that's real I mean it, it 
that that's I remember uh, a number of years ago when I thought a relative was having some issues and and not you know obvious you know that they're acting their behavior is bizarre. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you know I thought the person was depressed. I thought that they were acting out of character um, and doing some self-destructive stuff that, you know, that's what led me to think they were depressed. I, I mentioned that. And the whole, in my family, you know, it's no surprise, has a, it's quite religious, uh, the older generation. Um, and they, there was resistance. Uh, there was, the response was, we mm-hmm. don't do that. You go to church, you know, you get to your soul again. And, and I think, you know, you, you lead to a point about why we don't discuss it. You know, I've had my own issues with depression at various times, uh, to be honest, you know. And, and yeah, you wonder if people do, you know, uh, slow suicides, you know, where you drink yourself to death, for instance. I, you know, I started yeah. drinking a lot, you know, and, uh, and, and other, and, you know, other it's just things that people indulge in that, you know, kind of leads to what you said, you know, health, health issues. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. No, self-destructive behavior. No, go ahead. I just say that's, that's, and it can, that can manifest itself in too much drinking, smoking, getting high, hanging out, whatever it is. You can, you can, you can participate in self-destructive behavior as a slow form of killing yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, like you said, ignoring health issues. You know, I mean, you know, when, one of the, the wake-up calls for me was high blood pressure, you know, and they was like, your blood pressure is just, you've got to change something. You've got to change your diet if these, these numbers are good. And the guy explained to me that you may not think that it's going to impact you today, but over the long haul, if your blood pressure is high like this, you know, it'll, 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 um, I think the word is dilate your your blood vessels, and they won't be able to constrict. They won't, you know, do their normal movement, and it'll just be, you know, and you'll be twenty years down the line, you know, and and, and this is an issue where that. So you've got to get your blood pressure under control, and it's something that you're doing mm-hmm. your diet. You know, like you said, symptoms that we ignore for a long time. You know. Um, you know, we're ignoring our health. And so back to mental health, you know, I think, you know, it's not a sign of weakness if you're having problems, you know, and, 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 and you know, you to the point where obviously you, you think that you need to do something, the ultimate act of self-destruction, which is, you know, taking yourself out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, that's been proven that in our community we don't we don't get screened enough for mental or physical health issues. So, um, and then you know, and then I think that the, the historic issues around our just our development in this nation, you know, going from a, this, at a setting in slavery and then Reconstruction and into Jim Crowism, when a lot of these social services weren't even available to us. So it, it and and the church provided almost all social services. For us in our community, I mean, soup to nuts is that where we, you know, we did some Sunday school to the funeral. The church was mm-hmm. where we went and got help. So, so the concept of, you know, praying it away or you know, leaving our uncle in the room in the attic as opposed to trying to get him help and say oh, he's just a little strange as opposed to say maybe he has some real issue. 
As a, right. yeah, as I'm trying to say, bro, as a kid, I don't remember ever hearing words like schizophrenic, bipolar. <laughs> Those are right. new concepts. Those nobody discussed right. that. I don't remember even. You know, you you you, you might have known somebody or had a relative or knew somebody who had an aunt and uncle that was a little off, a little strange, and you just said they were touched. Remember that? Oh, that just touched. Yeah. I yeah. never knew what that yeah. meant. Yeah. That just meant that they were a little. And then if you you thread the needle to and this thing has a lot of spokes. You thread the needle to just if you talk about black men and black male masculinity. Um, one of the things that we as men in our community try to do is never show weakness. Right? You have to always be strong. You have to always be self-contained. So the idea of going to get help, you know, mm-hmm. to to go get therapy, to go get help, to call an 800 number, man, that's a that, we still as men in our quest to define our masculinity, we don't like showing those kind of weaknesses. I have a couple of doctor friends, and they're like, when it, you know, they, I have a sister, a sister friend in D.C. used to work with a clinic. He used to go take the truck around to different parts of D.C., you know, where they could screen people for high blood pressure, cholesterol, things like that, HIV. And she said it was important because they had to go to the places where these people were because particularly the men were never going to come to the clinic. So they had to take mm. the clinic to them, to the neighborhoods. To the, and it's unfortunate that in this day and age, that still is a reality. And then the, the other thing, and you want to just, you know, I was having this, I heard this on the news the other day. I never really thought about it. Most of the suicides are with handguns. And the the availability of handguns, if you think about it, the availability of handguns mm-hmm. in someone's home, whereas if in that brief moment you make that decision, you may you may talk yourself out of it an hour later or 10 minutes later or maybe make that engine call. But if you have access to that handgun at that moment, you may do something. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So this probably, I think, in our community, like a lot of our organizations, um, Greek letter groups, the professional groups, NAACP, I, I'm pretty sure they're probably doing a lot of stuff on mental health. I just hope that they do more of it. And I think our churches should participate in it, too. I mean, so like I said, I just I thought maybe we could take a minute and have a general conversation because, you know, we're not experts on the issue, but I don't think you need to be an expert to have this discussion. Absolutely not, man. And I, I'm glad you did raise it, and that's why I wanted to open with it, and that's why I wanted you to lead with it, you know, because it is a very important and unspoken about uh, topic. Uh, as you were talking, it you made me think about. Uh, I think you mentioned something about you know the the for our community, the African American community, um, that the church was you know the place we got everything. And yeah. as I thought about that, as I thought about that, I, I watched this lecture, and I forgot the uh, lady's name. She's a professor, and she's done research, and it's called post-traumatic slave syndrome. Um, and she said that uh, we've had generational PTSD in the African-American community, and, and you know, based on, the atrocities, and that's an overused word and, and when you relate it to slavery, but I don't know what else to use at this point. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you, you wonder, you know, how much that plays into uh, the, the, the reason we don't seek help because, you know, it's something that's been, I mean, it's something that we've dealt with and, and that, we take as uh, a given that we have to deal with, uh, you know, the, these things that we deal with in life that cause this underlying stress. 
Yeah, like, frankly, mm-hmm. I, you know, I heard Paul Booney once say it's some wonder that every black person in America ain't crazy. I'm serious about that. You know, I mean, drive, I mean, and I'm wondering if we are to some extent in some form or another and exhibit it. Um, I don't want to get too deep in that and go down that line too much, but I, no, I but will no, say but this. this is, that, but you brought up a good point. Just, just I would, I would give the listeners the, the generational post-traumatic syndrome. If you look at the Native American communities, I spoke to a group of Native American college students a few years ago about marketing and PR and stuff, but I also got a chance to talk to them about some other stuff. And they came from uh, Native American communities, some, uh, you know, tribal lands. And the, the level mm-hmm. of suicides and alcoholism in Native American areas um, is through the roof. And there's no way you can't tell me that that isn't a product of what the Native Americans have been put through in this country, that mm-hmm. the impact mm-hmm. of that. So you can just extrapolate that to other uh, marginalized communities. So, you know, the degree of alcoholism and, and, and abuse and, and suicide rates in those communities are disproportionately high. You, there has to be some connection between what they suffered through and what they're dealing with now. And, you know, like I said, if you just lay that kind of schematic next to what we've experienced in our community, it's very easy to see that, you know, from a generational standpoint, the impact of what we've been through still impacts us today in ways seen and unseen. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna look that up, man. I wish I could, because uh, uh, as you suggested previously, you know, we should provide uh, links to uh, these kinds of right. uh, this other information for folks to do their own research, come to your own conclusion, uh, expand on it, and uh, and whatnot. But uh, that that's a uh, that's important. Uh, I know, uh, as I said, when I felt like I was uh, in a depressed state. Uh, you know, you kind of, one of the things, I think this uh, is another rationale, and I'm sharing this because if other folks are going through it, you know, it, don't feel bad about, you know, reaching out to uh, to to get uh, any uh, help or, you know, talk to somebody. So uh, uh one thing that you feel, you feel you've got this, this thing about inadequacy, um, feeling inadequacy and shame, you know, and so uh, because you feel like something's wrong, you know, something is wrong with you, but you think that you, you feel guilty about feeling this feeling that you feel something's wrong with you. And you don't, right. and, and the shame prevents you from getting help. We're talking to somebody, you know, in a frank, candid, open, uh, uh, scab-peeling back, you know, uh, manner. And, you know, as you you mentioned something else, you know, we we get brought up with, you know, men are supposed to be strong. I know I was getting that from, you know, some of my relatives. You know, you're a man, that, 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 that. And, and you know, I have one good friend, and and he's a mutual friend of ours. Uh, He's no longer with us, uh, Todd Johnson. Was the as I was growing up, if I if I felt bad about anything, he was the only cat I could call who I could be vulnerable with. Uh, you know, most of the dudes say, you know, uh, you know, drink some brews, smoke a joint, <laughs> you, know, you know, go find right? another woman. You know, I mean, all this, you know, this deflection. Not why are you feeling that way? Uh, you know, uh, you know, you're a sucker for feeling like that. You know, what I mean, so. 
you know, for those out there that may be going through uh, these kinds of things, and uh, and certainly what um, uh, uh, Anthony Bourdain and, and, and Kate Spade went through in terms of whatever led to the, that moment, you know, find somebody to talk to, uh, and uh, there's nothing wrong with talking. So it actually helps. You know, I did talk to some yeah, folks. Yeah, and, and, and D'Angelo, think about this. When we were at Howard University in the mid, early to mid-'80s, the idea of going to talk to someone about depression was unheard of. You would not Woo! think that. You were like, I would want nobody to know I'm going to talk to somebody as depressed as we often were. <laughs> no, let me speak for myself. It was many times I was depressed during college and feeling <laughs> inadequate out of par. At times when people thought I was on top of the world was some, probably when I was some of the most deepest depression. But the idea of going to see a pro, talk to somebody, man, you couldn't even utter that. Like you said, you had Todd. You can mention that, too. I mean, I love my friends, you included. There wasn't many brothers I could say, hey, man, I think I need to talk to somebody. I'm, I'm, you just didn't have that conversation. It just wasn't – it was not a conversation that you had externally. You may have had it internally. And I just right. hope that now, you know, I, when, I go, when I speak on college campuses now, and I know one of the demands for when Howard had the protest was expanded services for mental health issues, which is, I think is great. And I think on the college campuses, that's a focus. But, you know, for our brothers and sisters who, who aren't going to be on college campuses, that, that point still has to be made, driven home, and then resources have to be made to bear for them as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. So uh, I got the link that you just sent me, and that's uh, so. It's this. Uh, there's an article uh, that's titled "Suicide Isn't Just a White People Thing." It's uh, from February seventh, two thousand and eighteen, and it can be found at uh, the website theconversation.com. Uh, once again, theconversation.com. Suicide isn't just a white thing, and the author is Kimya N. Dennis, uh, Associate Professor of Sociology and Criminal Studies. All right, thank you, man. I'm going to check this out myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's shift uh, from, you know, <laughs> I was going to say dark. I, you know, these, these, these curves that get, you know, pushed into uh, our, our lexicon, you know, the, the dark and bright side and uh, I know, blacklisted. <laughs> Let's shift from that um, you know, serious topic to something a little lighter, um, sports. Uh, obviously, there were two championships uh, realized this week uh, the NH- in the NHL, the Washington Capitals. Uh, won their uh, won the Stanley Cup, and then uh, Golden State won the NBA championship um, over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, both expected to get in, invitations to the White House, and uh, you know it came out during the week before the NBA series was even over uh, that uh, neither team was. <laughs> Want to go to the White House? Disinvited, uh, right? They were disinvited, right? Well, no, they 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 got disinvited, and then and then the Eagles got disinvited uh, because you know, I think only one person was going going to show up uh, to the White House to see uh, Trump. Uh, so 
so in the, this week we see championships, invitations to the White House. Uh, let's talk about it. Um, first of all, I okay. I we both kind of <laughs> probably have similar vibes about it, but why is this even a, a thing? You know, this this White House invitation. Go go ahead, brother. No, I just, you know, I just think it's just tradition. I don't know. There's probably a time when it started. I'm not quite sure of the history of it, but just tradition. I, do, I remember growing up and, you know, if your team, if your team won the Super Bowl or the NBA championship or Major League Baseball World Series, the idea of them going to the White House, you said, okay, that's just another perk. You know, you had a parade in your hometown. You get to go to the White House. Uh, the, the fact that it's been politicized now under this guy, it's it's just it's it's just endemic of how everything is kind of upside down and sideways. I kind of agree with you. It serves no purpose. Um, if 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 it didn't happen anymore, I don't think anybody would lose sleep. There's no team that wouldn't compete hard because they not going to the White House. It's just with the the nexus of this whole White House visit with the Eagles and then Trump basically utilizing the NFL players kneeling as a political football, no pun intended, for himself. That's what that's what this one is about. So. Thing is just so fraught with like irony and hypocrisy. It's like a layer cake. It's just so many different things here. The, the, the him asking the football players to give him names of people he should pardon is probably the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Not just a president. I mean, I don't. The fact that some people say, "Well, that's a good thing. That's an olive branch." He he was then wanting to pardon Muhammad Ali, tying all this together. And Ali didn't need a pardon, and he was for pardoning Muhammad Ali for essentially doing what these NFL players are doing now. It's just bizarre. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, we can intellectualize around it, but but we waste our. You can't intellectualize around this. He 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 he's Trump is just trying to play all sides off the middle and and come out looking good to everybody, and it's not working. At least not for us. Hey, you know what though, man? I, I'm gonna be honest, man. Uh, if he's asking for names, uh, take the window, uh, seize the opportunity, give that brother—I mean, that brother—give that dude a bunch of names: Leonard Peltier, uh, um, uh, anybody that's still in jail of, that was a Black Panther, uh, any Mumia, any give him all them names. <laughs> let him pardon all right. those folks, man, and then let's. Let's 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 just you know do what we do, but give him the names and let's get these parts while the windows open. I mean, I'm, it, and you're right. I mean, that, that it's right there, wide open. The irony of <laughs> there's no need to intellectualize that. I will say this though. Uh, this 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 notion, like you said, tradition, right? So I'm not gonna lie when uh, when uh, Reagan. When my boys won the Super Bowl, they beat Washington, and Reagan was congratulating the team. I really wasn't feeling that. I was like, man, I hope they don't go. <laughs> you know, when I saw Reagan, was it Reagan? Reagan threw a, a pass to LT. Oh, I thought yeah, that I was that, like, I, I thought that was like some plantation, let me show you what my nigger slave can do. You know, type, type <laughs> stuff, man. I'm making run for a pass. You know, what I mean, I, I, that, I really have, you know, and I think, it, ironically, you know, like you said, college years. I, ironically, it was Reagan, the, and him, and, and my favorite athletes, 
that just that image just wasn't cool with me ever. And so when I hear you know tradition, and, and I listen to some of these pundits, uh, you know, like the PTI guys talk about you know the respect for the White House. I, I, why is that a given? You know, in my mind, I mean, why why this is for instance with Trump, you know, but this applies to me across the board. When is the white anybody occupant of the White House respected? most of these guys that, that play for the team, the communities that they come from. And, like, when is the – you know, even Obama, that's my president. Even Obama, you, you know, when, when cop killings were going down, you know, and, 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 and there were athletes that were being accosted and, and abused and brutalized by the cops under his term, when did, when did he ever say – I remember him saying the cops have a right to go home safe to their families. You know, I mean, that, that, what have – so to me, it's hypocrisy to go to the White House and, and and feel that that's an honor because that guy, the occupant of the White House, has not honored the people from those communities that the players come from ever, pretty much. And and I just yeah, I, listen, I. I, I... I mean, I hear you when we, we – I mean, I keep going back to because it because I draw the analogy when we were protesting Reagan at school. I mean, if I – at that time, I don't care. I wouldn't have went to the White House. I mean, I, I had major issues with um, his repeals of some of the affirmative action issues. I had major issues with apartheid, obviously, and his support of it through constructive engagement. So if I was an athlete, then I wouldn't have went. And I hope that if, right. if I was an athlete under Obama and I had issues with you said, like him not being strong enough in terms of supporting – um, some of the legitimate concerns about the police violence, I wouldn't have went then either. I mean, there's no inherent respect you're supposed to have for that institution. Institutions aren't supposed to be respected simply because they exist. They still have to do things manifest to make you respect them. There you go. That's right. That's where I'm at. Uh, you know, or if I do go to team, you know, and I'm being a team player, and I go with my team because they decided they're going to go, you do what Craig Hodges did. He might not make it in the league any longer, but I mean, he took the opportunity. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take advantage of this moment and and give President Bush a letter. And I think it was about, wasn't it about incarceration? Oh yeah, you know what? I forgot yeah. about that. that. I do remember that. Um, I remember that. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool that he did that. He wasn't a. a a star of enough stature to get the kind of attention it should have got. But I, I forgot all about that. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. But, but, but wait, but wait, wait. Craig Hodges was a key guy for the Bulls that year. He was, he right. was, they, they, Steve Kerr and John Paxson essentially took his spot. Yeah, he was the sharpshooter off the bench. And uh, so a lot of folks was, used to think that, you know, he got in trouble because he wore a koofy to the White House. What was that letter? I'm 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 gonna look that up. Uh, <laughs> he wore Kofi to the White House. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, Kofi to Dasiki. Remember that? I mean, he, I, was, I was like, man, I, I was fired up. I was like, yeah, man, my, my man. But but no, and but then he he, he, he talked he, to. He, he, if if Jordan had delivered that letter, imagine that. Well, he tried to get Jordan to sign on with him. And Jordan wouldn't do it. I looked that up. Jordan wouldn't so mess with it was, it was, it, I'm going to so, look. I so, think everybody, so, anybody, everybody listening should look up Craig Hodges' visit to the White House. I'm going to because I forgot about that. 
Yeah, so so he tried to get Jordan to, to sign on with him, and it was he, he, the letter was about the administration's poor treatment of poor and and, and non-white people. Yeah, so yeah, look that up. Man. But then he got you know ostracized. He lost his job, and that's the reason why. Like now, back to your point about stature. You know, that's why. Uh, you know, even though he was courageous enough to do that, he didn't have enough stature to stay in the league. So now you're dealing with, you know, if if the Cavaliers had won, LeBron James said, "I'm not going." Uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors, all their coach and all of their star players, were not going. They're not going to lose their job. And I, you know what? Uh, and I um. I applaud them because I think we we oftentimes in recent years talk about how athletes today don't take advantage of the platform they have. You know, they want they want to risk things. We, but I, you know, I admire some of these, particularly the young NBA players. No NFL too. I mean, I admire what the what the Eagles did. I admire what many of the Eagles spokespersons people have come out and say. I admire what LeBron James said. Basically, we're not going, and the Warriors aren't going. I so I take my hat off. Right. I'm, I spend a lot of time criticizing athletes. For not being like Ali and not being like John Carlos and Tommy Smith and you know and and some of those guys who laid it on the line, um, for for them to have the right to what to what to doing what they're doing now. But I appreciate what a lot of these athletes are doing, and I, I and I think in this environment because Trump is such a showman, a showbiz guy, mm-hmm. you got to kind of hit him at that level. You got to bring that kind of star power, that kind of you know that it it, it, it it's going to be yeah. hard for organizations and like the NAACP, they can't play on this field with him. So the fact that right. the people who, who do have national prominence, national stages, recognition of, of, of podium, like LeBron, like Steph, like these other guys, it's important that they keep doing those things. And and you know what, I boycotted a lot of last season. NFL and it was rough because I love football. I mean, football got me into college. Right. I love the Giants. I love, but but man, um, <laughs> after the NFL and that, that's something else we could dovetail into this whole NFL thing about you required to kneel or stay inside the locker room. That shit may keep me from watching again. I can't wait to see how when the preseason starts how this is going to be handled by the players. And that I, wasn't collectively I, bargained. Right? That wasn't collectively bargained. That was an edict down from ownership, right? Right, so so that rule, that rule's got a lot of problems, and so having worked in a union, so uh, so so some people, you know, they come out and say, well, the the, the NFL's private entity, uh, they uh, have a right to make rules uh, as they see fit, and so you know, for instance, you don't have free speech rights. Uh, and, and so that wouldn't infringe on free speech, and I don't want to go down that path today. So, but let's just talk about the rules. So, typically, uh, the management supposed to have supposed to have discretion to make reasonable rules, and that's in the collective bargaining agreement. That management is it's called a management rights clause, and I don't know what the NFL's clause, uh, CBA looks like. But in every just about every CBA that I've ever worked on and looked at, uh, they've all had managed. Manage, they've had a it's basically a reservation of management's rights clause. But it, the the key language in those clauses is to make rules, you know, that are reasonable and necessary. Blah blah blah. 
right? So now the union's got to come back. So, you know, so what that means is that you can come up with a rule without going to the union uh, to collectively bargain it. But if the union challenges that rule as a violation of that management's right, the union can challenge that rule uh, on the grounds that that's not a reasonable and necessary rule. Uh, right. And then that that opens it up to, you know, some negotiation or, you know, at least some litigation. So in this particular instance, uh, the, the union actually pretty weak. I don't want to do a whole show on, on this, but just to cut to the chase, I'm with you. The owners just basically slapped the players across the face, and I applaud all players that take the uh, – utilize their platform because, as you said, there have been numerous times during the course of our lives where we said it would be great if Jordan would just stand up to George Bush and say, man, you got to stop this. Well, any athlete said, you know, uses the platform and say, look, I'm not playing uh, like the Clippers did a number of years ago uh, because for this racist uh, owner. Uh, there's a rumor that some of the players are going to rebel against this rule uh, by sitting out the season and then extending that to cover Kaepernick and Eric Reed, two players that have been whitelisted, whiteballed, <laughs> whiteballed, uh, we're not using black ball, whiteballed by the owners uh, and don't have jobs right now. Um, right. I think, and, and, and they're being criticized for using that platform. Um, but what other time are they going to speak up and speak out against and, and, yeah, against these kinds of topics and issues? Well, and the, and the other thing That's to consider, too, is that basically the ownership capitulated to Trump, right? And then he still came after them. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be one of the most interesting. I mean, right now we live in the era. There used to be a time that when, you know, the season was over and it was like a dead zone until, you know, you pick up with the training camps and then you get into some of the preseason games. This thing is going to stay alive through the summer, and I hope it does. And I'll be very interested to see how how uh, the leadership at the NFL, the Players Association, some of the other groups handle this going forward um, and how the fans do, because that, there still is a blackout. There's still, I, I saw something online the other day. There's still brothers out there suggesting that we not watch NFL when the season starts. So this thing is far from over. I think it's just beginning. And I, and I appreciate, I really appreciate what the Eagles did. Because if there was a team that needed to do that, it was that team. And I appreciate what the Eagles did. Because they kind of have that yeah. swag and they can, where they can stand up, you know. Because I mean, the yeah, Patriots yeah, they, win, right? Last time the Patriots win last year. Yeah, the Patriots go, but you know they, they their owners tight with Trump, and you know, and don't forget Brady had a Trump hat before Trump even won. He had one of those "Make America Great Again" hats. Uh, they, <laughs> those 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 guys were going to go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I applaud the Eagles in, in the stance they took. And uh, I hope to see more of it. And I hope that some of these more prominent players do step up and use their platform. And, and don't, you know, and that, the whole notion of, you know, you hear this thing from the fans, well, I just want to go to the football game and, and enjoy it for a football game, and I don't want, you know, politics to be a part of it. 
I'm just going to be frank about fuck you, you know, because, because, you know, because, you know, because the police could, could rob somebody on the way home and, and shoot a person on the way home. And that's the time for you to be disturbed. Your peace has to be disturbed at that time. Your, your ex, the escapism should be disturbed at that time because when we come out of it, man, uh, and the cops are still doing what they do, then no, and nobody says anything. I mean, it, no, man. But that's the time to do it when all the attention is 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 focused on the game at that particular time. Because you know what, the military has imposed that we have to watch and listen to the anthem. The players have to listen well, to the anthem know, because of that I, partnership with the league. I don't remember. Um, I mean, I played sports most of my life growing up, um, and I remember at times the anthem was played, and I remember watching football and seeing anthem played. It never was one of that big of a deal, but I never linked it to the military. It was never like, okay, by, by standing up and paying tribute to the national anthem, it's some way paying tribute to the military. I never thought about it that way. It wasn't until I think um, after 9-11 when Whitney Houston sung the national anthem at the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, and it was she had the flag on her and all that. I think because of folks rallying around what happened at nine eleven, it took on that aura, at least in that context. But before that, I don't think you know. I've been at games before, and people stand or they don't stand. They take their hats off or they don't. I I, yeah. I, I didn't see a lot of people making this making this apples to apples comparison where if you if you stand and pay tribute during the national anthem, that is somehow paying tribute to the military. I've never looked at that. Yeah. I just think that that's a create that's a recent creation to to solidify some of the people who want to, you know, you know, not 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 endorse the protest that Kaepernick started by saying, okay, him kneeling is disrespectful to this other yeah. thing that we all should respect. That was just confusing. right. So now, that, that's not how. so that I'm I'm gonna you know so that when we do our go ahead. No, no, I'm gonna listen. I'm with you. No, no. So, so when we do our show on that, I'm gonna bring in the re- the the background on that. But just real quick, that is a recent thing because the NFL and the and the military have a partnership now, uh, where you know you're going to pay tribute to somebody from the military. So that's some some propaganda that got seeped into our consciousness via the the military recruiting commercials that you see during the games, uh, during the games. Uh, attention being devoted to a veteran and sitting in whatever section or they come to the field, and then the flyovers. That all that stuff is new, and that's where that juxtaposition of that relation comes in. And it's a, it's a subconscious, uh, you know, don't want to sound crazy, but it is. It's a, it's a subconscious uh, 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 mechanism to to make that correlation because, as you said, we're old enough to know. That wasn't necessary. That was like rare that you saw that, you know. Like you said, it, you know, you might turn down the, the, the music or go, you know, to the fridge and grab a brew while that shit was going on. You know, you're like ready for kickoff or whatever, tip off. But that that wasn't, you know, the whole thing. No. And when we played, yeah, yeah. So anyway, but uh, we're at the end here, brother. Uh, any final words? No, no, it was a good. I appreciate the, uh, the uh, starting off with like the whole mental health. I know that wasn't uh, top of mind initially, but I thought that was a good topic to um, get some of the listeners to think about. So, no, I, I everybody, you know, if you need help, get help. Put it that way, mentally yeah. or physically. Absolutely. You know, don't 
If you need help, get help. There are people out there to help you, period. That's very Yeah, the first step, the first few steps are always the hardest. Uh, but once you get into it, 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 it helps. I, that's some stuff that's bullshit, but you know. <laughs> There's some stuff that, that helps. So what works for you works for you. Let you know, do address it. Uh, so, uh, all right, man. Well, we're gonna leave it there. Please subscribe to the Decoding Society on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, please be so kind to leave us a rating or review. Let us know what you think. Uh, any suggestions that you have uh, about topics you'd like for us to discuss and decode? Uh, we're very open to that. And until the next time, thank you, Brother Chris. Thank you. All right. Take care. We'll talk soon.